Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to take them and turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This morning, as we conclude our series that we have been in for the last number of weeks, what I call Church Reboot, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to be reading verses 18 through the end of the chapter, verse 21, in just a few moments. Welcome, welcome to Big Woods Bible Church, a beautiful day. I was reading in James chapter 5, it says Elijah was a man with a nature like us, and he prayed that it would not rain, and it did not rain. I think we have many Elijahs out there today. Thank you for praying. What a blessing it is to be gathered together as called out ones for his purpose And we get to do that together in the beauty and the majesty of his creation. To seek and to serve is our theme for this morning. Would you bow your heads and pray with me as we dive into this rich text before us this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We are humbled to be called your own children, your sons and daughters. We thank you for loving us and for adopting us into your family. We thank you for the real faith that you give to us so we can place our lives entirely in your hands. There's no better, there's no safer place to be. Together as your children, we want to say thank you for offering your own son, Jesus. As we pray together in his name, grateful, ever grateful for the amazing work that he accomplished. Father, we have now before us a few moments. And I would pray, Lord, that you would unleash your spirit, that you would speak to hearts, Please help me not to distract in any way for the message that you have for us to hear and learn this morning. Lord, our prayer is that we live and we minister for your glory and for your glory alone. And we admit the fact and I admit and confess that we do not and cannot do that on our own strength, but we do it in your strength. Please, please give us your strength. We ask this in the amazing and matchless and wonderful name of Jesus. Amen and amen. The text before us this morning that you've just turned to begins with these five words. We'll read them in a moment, but let me give you a little bit of a heads up. All this is from God. All this is from God. All all of all of what? Our conclusion this morning draws together our thinking, the loose ends of our mind, draws together everything that we've heard and everything that we have learned in the previous verses and weeks. And note carefully a perfect built-in time for the author to authenticate his message and his words his challenge, and his instruction to us and for us this morning. All of this is from God. 
this is not the author just kind of like sitting around tweeting out 280 characters. This is not, if you remember years ago, this is not the Apostle Paul writing with, what, a decoder pen, a secret message for us. No. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. All of what we have seen and heard, that we have this ministry by the mercy of God. We have this, what, treasure in jars of clay. We have the same spirit of faith, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus Christ can raise us also. We are always, we've learned, always of good courage. We walk by faith, not by sight. Why? Because we know that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive what is due us. We know that we fear the Lord. We know that we are to persuade others. We know that we don't regard or measure people according to the flesh. Why? Because every single one of us in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. What all of these things are are blessings for us. They're gifts wrapped up beautifully from God himself to you. They are privileges that we all have as a new creation. What do we teach our children? With privileges comes responsibility. Now that we've been gifted, we've been graced, we've been granted all of these things, we now have a responsibility. That's what our text is about this morning. Follow along very carefully as I pick it up in verse 18, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. The words will not be in front of you on a screen. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God, making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Knowing all of the blessings that we have been given, we have Every responsibility, and our responsibility this morning is to seek reconciliation. Knowing that Christ has reconciled us to himself, he has given to us a ministry of reconciliation. Praise God that he does not count what our trespasses against us. That means our sins and the ugliness of the past. He's entrusted into our care this message through Christ by Christ who offered himself as the only perfect atoning payment for our sins he reconciles what? the unholy, that's us to 
the holy. We now have this responsibility to reconcile officially, formally. It is defined as this, to restore friendly relations between, to cause to coexist in harmony, to make or show to be combat compatible, to harmonize, to make one account consistent with another. Think, think of this, friendly relationships. Think of what time together, people together. Think about what walking together and talking together, unstrained, unfettered, sweet fellowship, koinonia. I think of what the fellowship that took place between God, the creator himself, and Adam, the first one created in the garden, where it says in the cool of the morning, in the cool of the garden, they were together in fellowship. The beauty of creation and perfection. God and man. That's Genesis 1 and 2, but everything falls apart in Genesis chapter 3. Where what? Something broke with the fall of mankind. And yet now what we're talking about is that it is possible for that restoration of a friendly relationship to be one of peace. Peace, where there once was hostility and alienation. This includes what? Removing the offense which caused the disruption of peace and harmony. When Christ removed the enmity that existed between God and mankind by his vicarious sacrifice, Scripture speaks often of this. Christ's substitutionary death affecting reconciliation of God with sinners and of what sinners appropriating this free gift by faith. Scripture speaks of this. I'm reminded of Romans in chapter 5. It says in verse 10, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life more than ever. I say all of that to lead us to where we are this morning. In this ministry of reconciliation that God has placed before us, what is it that we are to do? What is it very specifically that you are to do? Knowing that we have been called, we have been commissioned and entrusted. The day you were born, think about it. 8, 26, 68. Every one of us have that day. You came literally screaming into a screaming world. Did you know that? Your mom was screaming in pain when you arrived. You're screaming because what? You're now cold and hungry. Your father, if he was there, he's screaming because he's just terrified. I remember the day our daughter was born. Oh, that joyous moment where everyone's screaming. And after what the baby was delivered, Doc looks at me and he says, well, Dad, you're probably going to want to cut the cord, right? And I said, no. 
He said, no, you're going to want this memory. And so he took my hands and, and he placed the scissors, like the funny-shaped scissors in my hand. He says, go ahead. I said, no. You're the doctor. You're getting paid for this. This is your job. I took the scissors. I put them back in his hand. He said, no, no, no. And he starts to put them back. And Wendy says, please, somebody, just cut the cord. It's a world of conflict. The world is screaming around us. 1968 was the year I was born. It was the year that the first Big Mac sold for 69 cents. It was the year that there was the maiden flight of the 747. It was the year that the first 911 call was ever possible to be made. They're about the only three good things that ever happened in 1968. If you know your history books, that was a bad year in America. Violent, vicious protests all over the country. Robert Francis Kennedy, a presidential candidate, was assassinated. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated. Vietnam War with the Tet Offensive was going horribly. And yet what's interesting is that world that was inflamed in anger and hostility, like a child, red-faced, teeth clenched and, and, and fists tightening, like, like a teenager slamming their bedroom door. It's that type of what? Being enraged in anger. What's interesting is that what exactly what every single one of us have witnessed in the year 2020. Never before, never before have I witnessed such hostility where everyone, if they're not marching and chanting and holding signs and signing petitions, they're what? They're burning things and throwing rocks and bricks and looting. Everyone, everywhere has their own identity that needs to be promoted. Their own idea that needs to be championed, an agenda to push, a voice to be heard, a cause to support or protest against. If you're not marching with us, then you're against us. It's my right and my belief and my voice and my view. And everyone else must abide by me. That's what's happening in the world around us. And in the midst of that screaming, enter what? In the middle of a crazy pandemic where everyone is terrified, enter who? The unholy who have been reconciled to the holy. Enter what? Those who have been given and gifted and granted a ministry of reconciliation. Enter what? Those Christians. Those who follow Christ. Those who are few. That remnant. Those that have chosen to walk the narrow path. Those that are called the salt of the earth and the light of the world. 
Now, what is it specifically that this ministry of reconciliation is to be founded upon and grounded upon? What are we to be saying? What are we to be doing? Are we to be shouting for our own personal rights? It's my rights. Are we to be shouting and what? Arguing over politics or social reform? Are we to be arguing over the idea of, a, of an economy that what? Is out of whack? Is it pushing? Is it expecting lost people in a lost world to be, to be acting like saved people? Is it what? Expecting behavior modification. What is it? What is it that we're to do? Let me say two things very quick, quickly. As Christians, first and foremost, we always, always, always seek to uphold any fragment of righteousness that exists in a society. Which means what? The one thing that we are to do is to protect what? The sanctity of life at all costs. To speak up for the unborn that are murdered by millions. We protect life. We also preserve the sacredness of marriage by standing up to exactly what God teaches us and tells us in his word. That marriage is a gift that has been ordained by God that is exclusively reserved only for man and woman. That is our civic responsibility to speak up for that which is righteous. But there's a second responsibility that we have. As Christians, we seek to always, and I emphasize always, advance the kingdom of God by speaking the truth of the gospel, first and foremost. Man cannot, mankind cannot and will not be reconciled to God through or by any other Means A great message was preached in Acts chapter 4. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Try any other message and it will fail. As Jeremiah proclaimed, they have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Hold all the signs, protest all you want for peace in this world. And it will be healed lightly, momentarily. Ezekiel later leveled almost the exact same indictment against the false teaching, false beliefs, and false hopes of his times. Says what? They have seduced my people, saying peace, and there is no Peace. There will be and prepare for it. I'm not the bearer of bad news. I'm the bearer of good news. But in this world, there will be continued unrest until, and here's the good news, until Christ, the Prince of Peace, comes back to speak peace unto the heathen and to establish what his kingdom even to the ends of the earth. Let me remind you of this. Be assured of this. It has no bearing on the kingdom of God 
who the president of the United States is. There is no impact on the kingdom of God based upon the politics of this country or any other country because Jesus Christ himself said, my kingdom is not of this world. But thankfully, as Philip Hughes writes, the rebellion of man, however, is also met and matched by the love of God in Christ Jesus. If we are to be faithful with the blessings and privileges that we have been granted, that we have been given, we must understand first and foremost the responsibility of every single one of us to seek a ministry of reconciliation. Because what? In Christ there can be what? The mending of that which was broken. There's settledness over conflict. In Christ there is silence over screaming and peace over war. You know what I want us to do as a church? I want you to find one person that you know is enraged in fear. Find one person that you work alongside of, that you live near, that you know is terrified, is worried. Find one person and just commit to come alongside of them, to listen to them, to pray with them and offer them hope. Who's here one? Names are, are racing through our minds. Who's here one? There needs to be hundreds of people gathered here. Each one of us took just one to say, my responsibility is to introduce them to the only one who can reconcile the craziness and the conflict of this world. Who is that one in your life? Colossians says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace, by the blood of the cross. Our responsibility as followers of Jesus in Lock Haven, Pennsylvania, in September of 2020, the year that we'll all be speaking about, our responsibility is to seek reconciliation. Secondly, our role is to serve as ambassadors. Therefore, as ambassadors, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. I'm thrilled by that statement. God himself, sovereign, almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present, sees little tiny us, and he says, I have an appeal to make and I want you, you, to make it for me. I want you to represent my kingdom. Formally, again, the definition of the word ambassador is an accredited diplomat. Sent by a country as its official representative to a foreign country. A person who acts as a representative or a promoter 
of a specified activity. Formally, that's the definition of an ambassador. Informally, who is it you rep? That's basically what it boils down to. The first thing that comes to mind here, who is it that you rep? Let me dive into the throes of social media, which for me, in my life, it's a pretty shallow dive. I have one social media account, it's Twitter. And I understood at some point, somebody convinced me, well, if you're going to be a pastor, you're going to be a cool pastor, you're going to connect and relate, you got to do social media. So I did it. Somebody said that, hey, I'm following you. And I was like, oh, whoa, what do you mean following me? So I, I had to get coached through this. This goes all the way back April the 2nd, 2014 was the day that I rode the social media wave. My first tweet, that's what it's called, said this, God chose me because he couldn't find anyone weaker. Dr. Doug Lyon, one of my former professors, the first first words of wisdom. My second tweet said this, and I quote, getting lessons on Twitter from my pastor bros, because people that are cool use the term bros. Getting lessons on Twitter from my pastor bros, Pastor Aaron and Pastor Nick. So what they told me is that you got to have like, you got to have a, a handle. You got to have like a tagline describing who you are. I'm like, this is more work already than I want it. Like, like, who are you? And, I, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm a husband. I'm, I'm a dad. I'm a pop-pop. I'm a Phillies fan. I like my steak medium rare. Like, how do you do this? And I began to describe the first description that came out of my mind, the first comment before any of that. I wrote, follower of Christ. It's really who I am. Yeah, but nothing comes before your wife. No, no, I love my wife, and that is the second priority in my life. My first responsibility and your first responsibility as ambassadors of the king is that you are to follow him faithfully. Who are you repping today? Some of you are more concerned and talk more about a team or a school or a new item on the menu than you talk about the one that has called you and commissioned you and entrusted into your care a message of the gospel. You have been called to make his appeal. I can think of no better or no higher calling than that. We have been given this ministry by the mercy of God. The love of Christ, literally it says, controls us. It's what we read and learned. We walk by faith. We know the old is what? It's in the past. We don't live there any longer. We've been entrusted with the message. We're ambassadors for Christ. 
We become, it says, the righteousness of God. All of this through one. All of this because of one who died and was raised. That we read as, as we read in verse 15. All of this through the one and because of the one who reconciled us to himself and gave us this ministry. All of this through the one and because of the one, it says in verse 21, who knew no sin. A challenge for us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Challenging times? Oh, yes, yes. Global mess. Shaky economy, racial tensions, political rancidness. But it is right here. And it is right now that we remember our responsibility and our role. I am reminded of the timely, truthful words of the prophet Elisha, who actually came alongside and was encouraging a king facing his own difficult and very dangerous challenge. And he said this, and I quote, This, this challenge we're facing this task that we have been given, this calling, this is only a simple thing for the Lord, for he will make you victorious. Remember the words this morning of the prophet Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 18, as challenging as it is for us, and it is truly that. This is only a simple thing. For the Lord, he will make you victorious. Now we put all of this into action. A message has been given to us so that we could take it for others. A message of grace. A message of forgiveness. A message of love. A message of hope. A message of healing. A message of eternal life in heaven with God forever and ever. But as I've been learning this week, it also must be, and we must speak of a very accurate hope. We must know what we're speaking of. The hope of heaven. And yet what's interesting is I read this week that we oftentimes think of heaven as, and I quote, creaturely enjoyment. We automatically see the hope that God has placed for us through our own eyes. Well, heaven, it's going to be amazing. Grammy's going to be there. And my puppy that got, my puppy that got, you know, my puppy's going to be there. And there's going to be golden streets and there's going to be pearly gates and there's no more tears and we're going to all have heavenly voices. But we look at the hope of heaven through creaturely enjoyments. There is more to it than that. Listen very carefully. If you understand your role, you must understand the accuracy of your destination. Like how Michael Allen writes, grounded in heaven, recentering Christian hope and life on God. And he says this, Scriptures will alert us to the reality that, the, that at the end of God's grace is ultimately... God, his creation, sustenance, instruction, patience, deliverance, reconciliation, forgiveness, 
resurrection and so many other intermediate and unnamed kindnesses, they are all unto God. As Romans says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. People, just as it was in the Garden of Eden, perfect perfection in the presence of God. God dwelling with and alongside of, in perfect union, His creation. All of that broken by the fall, and yet you have been given a message that there is hope. There is coming another time where all will be restored to fullness and newness. Knowing, knowing this, we know that God has reconciled us. Go to God today. Go to Him and thank Him. Go to Him in confession and admission. Forgiveness. Go to Him in celebration. And after you go to God, I want you to go to others. Find that one. Remind them of the hope that we have in God. Trusting that God has commissioned us and he has. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. To rep the king and his kingdom well.